I'm going to be uh, sharing today a message that is actually a two-parter. We're, we're going to conclude this series next Sunday, but I want to begin by focusing on the theme of this series, which is Christmas dreams. Now, how many of you ever dreamed about a certain gift under the Christmas tree when you were a kid? You dreamed that that gift was going to be there. And how many of you experienced disappointment when it wasn't under the tree? See, growing up, some of us, we began as kids knowing what it was to be poor. When we were poor, we didn't get anything that we wanted. We got those, you know, look, it's wrapped. Popcorn wrapped, you know. That was our gift. Just unwrap it. There's your, there's your gift. No, just kidding. And then, but then we went from pole to poor. And then finally, we got a little better in our lives and we got some stuff that we really wanted. But the reality is that sometimes during Christmas seasons, there are not, there's a conflict of emotion. There's joy and sadness at the same time. For some people, like myself, this is the most wonderful time of the year. I love Christmas. It's my favorite holiday. But I know that for some who have lost loved ones during this season, it is a difficult time because every time the season rolls around, it's a reminder of not what you've been given, but what you've lost. And so we're going to look today at Christmas dreams. And in the Bible, we discover that God speaks through dreams. God speaks through dreams. But every time God speaks, it's because it's meaningful. It's purposeful. When God communicates, and I want to make it clear today that God still speaks today. In Revelations chapters 2 and 3, the Bible points out, He that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying, is saying to the church. Is saying, not has said, but is saying. The Spirit still speaks today. So we're going to be focusing on Christmas dreams today. Let me begin by pointing out, Clever scientific studies involving beepers and diaries suggest that an average daydream is about 14 seconds long and that we have about 2,000 of them per day. In other words, we spend about half of our waking hours, one-third of our lives on earth, spinning fantasies. We daydream about the past, things we should have said or done, working through our victories and failures. We daydream about mundane stuff, such as imagining different ways of handling conflict at work. But we also daydream in a much more intense story-like way. We screen films with happy endings in our minds where all our wishes, vain, aggressive, dirty, come true. And we screen little horror films, too, in which our worst film, our worst fears are realized. Charles A. Lindbergh years ago said, We actually live today in our dreams of yesterday and living in the dreams we dream again in other words we are dreamers we are dreamers 
Many years ago, a young man had a dream of telling the story of Jesus everywhere in the world. When he suggested taking the good news to people, an elder man said, Sit down, young man. If God wants to save the heathen, he will do it without your help or mine. This young man, William Carey, was a cobbler. As he worked day and night making shoes, he thought about this exciting dream of his. He preached a sermon on one occasion entitled, Attempt Great Things for God, Expect Great Things from God. Because he believed this with all his heart, he left his own country, England, and went to India. There he spent the rest of his life teaching and preaching about Jesus who said, Go into all the world and tell the good news. It was several years before even one person accepted this message. But one, then another, and then many believed the good news of Jesus until thousands upon thousands came to know Jesus because a young man with a dream opened a door. God gives us dreams that are God-sized so that we can know He is able to perform what He tells us He will do if we will surrender to Him. As a young preacher, beginning as a young evangelist, I found myself going through a season of discouragement and depression. And I remember one particular afternoon, in that state of depression and discouragement, I decided to take a nap. And it was so frustrating that even during that nap time, God was giving me a dream. In the dream, I saw myself in a building preaching the Word of God. Wouldn't you know it? A few weeks later, I was in that building that I had never been in, preaching the Gospel. God used that dream to reveal to me, I've got a calling on your life and it's not over. And I am going to take you to places that you didn't expect because that's the kind of God I am. When God gives you a dream, it's because He means to fulfill it and He's able to fulfill it. We're going to look at this morning a true account of a man who experienced a God dream. That is a dream from God. It's found in the first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew. Specifically, we're going to look at chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. It reads, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, notice, in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. 
And she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin will be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. I want to look at four things that are highlighted in this biblical passage. The first thing is the betrothal. The betrothal. Now I worked hard at saying that word correctly. So much so I went online, I went to iTranslate, I went to Google and I worked at it. Because it doesn't sound out the way it looks. The betrothal. Well, somebody should say, good job, pastor. Yeah, that took a lot of work. Now, in Matthew 1.18, we read about it. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, keep in mind, there were essentially... Three steps to marriage in the Jewish world of Jesus' day. The first was the engagement. This could happen when the bride and groom were quite young and was often arranged by their parents. The engagement. The second step was the betrothal. This made the previous engagement official and binding. During the time of betrothal, the couple were known as husband and wife. And a betrothal could only be broken by divorce. Now this period typically lasted a year. And then there was a third step, which was marriage. This took place after the wedding, after the year of betrothal. So this is what the scripture said, Joseph and Mary were in the middle of. This season of waiting for marriage to actually transpire and yet considered to be married already. And it is in this season that Joseph receives the news from Mary, I'm having a baby. Now guys, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. What would have gone through your mind? What would have gone, what would have risen in your heart? You probably would have been like, what and then angry and then the questions would come but the bible says of joseph he was a just man in other words he was seeking to live his life in a way that was right with god and right by god and the bible tells us that it was during a time in which he decided to ponder that the second thing that's highlighted in matthew 1 18 to 25 transpired the dream the dream we see there in matthew chapter 1 19 through 21 then joseph her husband being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly but while he thought about these things notice while he thought about these things behold an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream saying joseph son of david do not be afraid to take to you mary your wife 
For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I want you to notice several things about the dream that are, high, that are pointed out here. First of all, the dream came during the time of reflection. The dream came during the time of reflection. Before Joseph made a final decision about what he was going to do, he took time to ponder, to think. I want you to embrace this reality. God works best in us when we are reflective instead of reactive. Let me say that again. God works best in us when we are reflective instead of reactive. Joseph did not act compulsively. He did not act according to his emotion. He did not act just spur of the moment. He took time to think through. He took time to process what was going on in his heart. And it was in that waiting period that God gave him a dream. And let me say to you that when you decide, I'm not going to act out of compulsion. I'm not going to act out of emotion. But I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to wait on Him. They that wait upon the Lord will experience help from the Lord. Again, God can work in us better when we are reflective instead of reactive. The second thing about the dream is the dream came as a means of confirmation. The dream came as a means of confirmation. Through the dream, God was confirming to Joseph, I'm at work right now. I know it's confusing. I know that you, it's hard for you to believe that your, your, your wife-to-be is pregnant. And she's telling you that it was the Holy Spirit coming upon her. I know that's all confusing. But God, through His message to him, was confirming. Through the dream, I'm at work right now. Not only was Joseph in a state of confusion, but his people that he belonged to were in a state of frustration. Why? Because they were under the rule of the Roman Empire. And it is in that season of frustration and confusion that God shows up through a dream to speak to Joseph. And if he will partner with God, then what would happen would be that what God would do would not only benefit Joseph, it would benefit his people. It would cause hope to rise again. It would open up the way and it was leading to the way being open for salvation to come to God's people that were awaiting their Messiah. Let me say to us here in the United States of America, we are in a state of frustration and confusion as well, but we have a mighty God who says to us and is speaking to us today and saying, I'm in charge. I have the Savior. I am the deliverer. I am your help. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. Do not be discouraged. God is speaking to us today in our time of confusion and frustration and reminding us my dream to you is to see with your eyes that I am high and lifted up and I am with you I am for you and I will bring forth deliverance in your life another thing about the dream is a dream came to reveal the way of salvation For the Bible tells us there that as the angel spoke to Joseph, he said that what Mary was conceiving was of the Holy Spirit and she shall bring forth a son 
and you shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua, which means God is salvation, for he will save his people, notice, from their sins. This description of Jesus, this description of the work of Jesus reminds us that Jesus meets us in our sin. But his purpose is to save us from our sins. Let me say that again. This description of the work of Jesus reminds us that Jesus meets us in our sin, but his purpose is to free us, to deliver us from our sins. And how does he do this? He saves us first from the penalty of sin. As we look to him in our sin, as our Savior and call upon him, he saves us from the penalty of sin. But as we connect to him, he then saves us from the very power of sin. And ultimately, he will save us from the very presence of sin. Let me walk you through this. You see, when Jesus was born, he was born knowing he was born to die. He was born to die in order to save us from our sins. And when he ends up on the cross of Calvary, what happened was he took upon himself the penalty, the judgment that was due to us because of us breaking God's law. Because of us failing to live up to God's standard of righteousness, Jesus bore on the cross the penalty for our sins. My past, my present, and my future sins penalty. He bore it on the cross. Isaiah said that the the chastisement or the punishment for our peace that brought reconciliation was upon him. Meaning that he took on that penalty so that when I turn to God, Instead of being punished, I can have peace with God. I can be one with God. I can be reconciled to God. I can have a relationship with God. But then, this is the kind of Savior He is. Not only can He forgive me of my sin, He can free me from sin's habit, from sin's power. What I'm talking about is, Jesus is not just a ticket to heaven, knowing that I'm forgiven, but even while I'm walking on earth, battling, struggling, as I look to Him, He can deliver me from the habits that used to keep me bound. And I come to know that there is no power of sin that cannot be broken through the power of the one who is Savior, Jesus Christ. And then the Bible reveals, the Bible reveals in Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 to 21, and then it, and, and, and then it reveals also in, in, Philippi, in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15 that this mortal body, this body right now, it's mortal. In other words, it's subject to death. It's going gonna, it's gonna to waste away. But one day, 1 Corinthians 15 tells me that it will be transformed into an immortal body. The corruptible body will become incorruptible. And what's going to happen is I'm going to be transformed and go taken into the very presence of God. And there I will be saved even from the very presence of sin. There will be no sin around me. There will be no sin within me. That's the Savior I'm talking about. He does a complete work. He does a perfect work. Woo! So we see 
That was all in the dream. And then the third thing that's highlighted in Matthew 1, 18 through 25 is the fulfillment. The fulfillment. Watch this. Verses 22 and 23. Matthew 1, 22 and 23 says, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. What prophet? The prophet Isaiah. And what did he say? Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. That's in Isaiah 7:14. And what you need to keep in mind is that was declared, that was prophesied over 700 years before Jesus was born in the manger. Think of that. 700 years before he was born. Isaiah prophesied he was coming. There are hundreds of promises related to Jesus the Messiah found in the Old Testament. One scholar, J. Barton Payne, has found as many as 574 verses in the Old Testament that somehow point to or describe or reference the coming Messiah. Alfred Edersheim found 456 Old Testament verses referring to the Messiah or His times. Conservatively, Jesus fulfilled at least 300 prophecies in His earthly ministry. Why do you point that out, Pastor? Because it shows us that God is not just a good promise giver. He's a great promise fulfiller, promise keeper. And if God has given you a word from His word, you can count on the fact that He will be faithful to fulfill His promise to you. When He says, I will never leave you, nor forsake you, you can take that to the bank. It doesn't mean you're not going to go through valleys. What it means is, there ain't no valley low enough that can keep God from walking with you and getting you through it. Woo! I feel like singing. Ain't no mountain high. Ain't no... Woo! And there isn't. And if He says He's going to be with you, He's going to fulfill that promise. I don't care how outlandish, outrageous, I don't care how far out what God has spoken to you from His Word may appear to be you don't have to give up or give in to doubt, fear, or unbelief because God can do that outlandish, outrageous, that so far out of your reach promise. He can carry it out because He's even bigger than the promise that He gives to you. The Apostle Paul stated in 2 Corinthians 1.20 For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. 
and through Christ our amen which means yes ascends to God for his glory and so whenever you're in your Bible reading time whenever you're reading your devotion you come across a promise from God don't just look at it go yes yes it's mine Jesus by fulfilling those 300 plus promises some estimate 400 promises in his first coming he is your yes he is your guarantee that whatever God promises you now the God who did it then is going to do it now because his power has not diminished to fulfill what he has promised the angel said to Joseph they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated God with us in the words of David Mathis he is not just God with us it gets better he has come to rescue us and as a New Testament believer as a believer of the new covenant it's better for me in what way pastor he's not just God with us he's God in us by his spirit he's not just at my side he lives in me by the Holy Spirit and that's why in the face of the giant in the face of going through the valley in the face of having to forge through the river I can say with utmost confidence and assurance greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world then we come to the fourth thing highlighted in this passage of Matthew 1 18 to 25 the obedience the obedience look at verses 24 and 25 it says and Joseph being aroused from sleep did did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her in other words did not have sexual relation with her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus now for those of you that come from a Catholic background that means that Mary had more than one son Jesus and if you read John's gospel it does tell us that he had brothers and sisters that's important to note what I want you to notice here as well regarding Joseph Joseph didn't hesitate or procrastinate his obedience was immediate as soon as he was aroused from his sleep the Bible says he did he did what the angel of the Lord instructed him to he did it a theologian from times past and thinker Thomas Kempis said delayed obedience is disobedience I want to make it clear the blessing is in the doing the blessing is in the doing some of us are waiting for the Lord to bless us and he says 
You want my blessing? You got to do what the last thing I told you to do. Obedience opens the key to the miraculous. Archibald Rutledge tells about a man who worked in one of the great forests of the south. His faithful dog burned to death in a great fire that had swept through the forest. Rutledge said the little dog had been left under a tree to guard his master's dinner pail and wouldn't leave it even when the flames roared around him. The worker was brokenhearted when he found the charred remains of his little friend. With tears streaming down his face, he said, I always had to be careful what I told him to do because I knew he would do it. This and more is the kind of obedience to which Christ has called you and I to. Isaac Butterworth shared the following. I heard Henry Nowen at Austin College several years ago. I remember what he said about listening and obedience. The word obedience, he said, comes from the Latin obar dier, which means to hear. By contrast, the Latin word for deaf, for deaf is absurdus, from which we get our word absurd. To truly hear Christ is to obey Him. Not to hear and obey is the way of absurdity in living. It is important that you and I understand. As the hymn writer put it in the song, Trust and Obey. Trust and obey, for there is no better way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. God made it clear through the prophet Isaiah when he said, he told his people, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land in Isaiah 119. And I'm saying to us today, if we want to know the blessings of God, then we have to obey as Joseph did what God directs us to do. Again, the blessing is in the doing. The blessing is in the doing. There are believers that struggle with, well, how, how come that believer is experiencing blessing? I'm struggling. Here I am waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on the Lord. And I want to say to those believers, God is waiting on you to step out and do what he told you to do because the blessing is in the doing not in the wishing it's in the doing T.E. Lawrence once said all men dream but not equally those who dream by night in the dusty recesses of their minds awake to the day to find it was all vanity but the dreamers of the day are dangerous men For many act out their dreams with open eyes. The best way to make your dreams come true is to wake up. That's what Joseph did. He woke up from the dream and he did what he was directed to do. And then the dream began to unfold. What I'm saying to us today is that like with Joseph... God may give us dreams to confirm His working. 
like with Joseph, we can count on the fact the Lord will fulfill His promises in our lives. Like with Joseph, He also grants us direction that will require of us obedience. Are you willing to obey what He reveals to you is the way? You are. You will experience His blessing on your life. He will bless you. He will bless you with favor. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today. You are not just the dream giver. You are the dream fulfiller. You don't only speak promises. You fulfill your promises. Today, Father, here in this place, you're speaking to your sons and your daughters. For some, you're giving them words of confirmation. Others, you're giving them words of direction. Others, you may be giving words of correction. And in all that you communicate to us, we discover it's because there's a greater work that you want to accomplish in us and through us. And so I pray today that like Joseph, we would have the courage to do what you direct us to do. Because the blessing is in the doing. Whether you're here in this building or you're watching on live stream. I want you to know that God does make dreams come true. And He makes dreams come true in difficult times. In difficult situations. That's what Joseph discovered. That's what his people came to understand. That even when it was darkness, there was darkness that covered the land. God's light came to shine. The light of the world, the light of life. God wants you to know today. I'm ready to shine my light of favor on you. I'm ready to show you how great I am and what I can do if you're willing to trust and obey me. If you're willing to do that, give God your yes. Yes, God, here I am. Yes, God, I surrender. Yes, God, I want you to come and move in my life. Yes, God, your will be done. Yes, do what only you can do in me. As this song is sung, I want you to give God your yes.